You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On Seattle Sports. The Seattle Sports app. And SeattleSports.com. Now, the Cactus League Report. Yes, it is time for the Cactus League Report. Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher. Shannon, we are transitioning from hot stove to the Cactus League Report. Here we are. Yes, and thankfully, I don't think we needed to bring the stove down this year. Last year, we probably needed yeah. it, and I think we're, it's, it's a little dicey here and there, but we've had some really beautiful days. Yeah, we're actually recording this outside, which you can't really do in the hot stove. <laughs> it's not. It's too cold, but we're outside recording this, our first Cactus League Report, and camp has been pretty interesting so far as, as you've kind of you've been here over a week now already what has kind of stood out to you early on in camp Gary can I flip the script on you everybody's asked me that I'm wondering what stood out to you <laughs> oh okay so a couple of things have stood out one Mitch Hanniger just seeing him in a Mariners uniform first of all again it's like yeah this this belongs <laughs> this is where you should be but to hear him talk about it, mm-hmm. being back as uh, a Mariner and how much it means to him uh, from that perspective. Also, I was really interested in what he said uh, in his start the other day where he hit the home run. And it's a name that we've, I've heard a lot already in camp, and it's a name that we'll continue to hear. I thought it was really interesting what he said about Brant Brown. And he, in fact, here's what Mitch said after the game. I'm really excited for the season because um, – for me, it's like your feels as a hitter can always lie to you, and like that's why I think video is so important. Um, and then it's finding a good balance of like, okay, you know, there's some hitting coaches that are strictly like swing oriented, and they don't really talk about much of the approach side. And then there's the polar opposite that don't really ever look at the mechanics, and they only talk about approach. And I feel like we have the perfect balance with the guys on our uh, on our staff, so it's it's really exciting. Did you work with Brown before? Yeah, in 17, okay. um, when he was the hitting coordinator. So just in spring training, but I remember, like, loving him. And then I remember he took a job somewhere else, and I was like, that's the guy you need under the big leagues with Mariners. But I'm um, happy he's back. Is his language kind of different? Is hitting language kind of different than? Yeah, I mean, how he's got, like, the funniest, like, sayings in the world, like stuff you've never heard before. And usually in baseball, people have funny sayings, but you've heard them before. He'll just drop some lines that you just makes you crack up big time. So... <laughs> He's a, he's a good character, but a hard worker and prepared and really convicted and with what he teaches and how he sees the game. And um, I th- I'm going to really rely on him and J.D. and um, and Tommy as well. Like, we've got three great hitting pitches, and it's awesome. So I think the Brent Brown thing, and Shannon, we talked about coming into spring, but it's really interesting how often, at least I've heard that name already mentioned. He's like the trajectory this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which they're still using, right? But we've all had the story. But That's no, so good. you know what has um, really stood out to me about that move is uh, the last few years the coaching moves have all been internal, mm. and that makes a measure of success in that uh, of uh, sense in that you are bringing up your coaches with your players. They know the systems. They speak the language. They've been a part of the process. And developing coaches is very much Mm -hmm. a a part of what this organization does, too. But I was really glad to see not one but three 
that were brought because that means you're ready for some outside voices and you are willing to listen to outside voices. Now, Brant Brown was brought up in the Mariners organization as a coach, but his experience since then has been tremendous and, and really added to what he does. And when he comes in, his language is different. It's mm-hmm. not the same. You know, maybe you get a little bit tired of dominate the zone. Maybe you get a little bit tired of see the zone. Maybe you get a little bit tired of swing at this, don't swing. You know, those kinds of things. And he puts things a different way. And uh, he also, um, he's uh, you know asking them to practice in different ways as well with more intent. And he will fire out at them situations. What is your, not give it to them which quite often you'll hear a coach yell, hey, man, in second and third, two Mm. outs, you know, that kind of thing. He will, in the middle of a batting practice on the field, what's your situation? Mm. You know, what are you thinking, Mm -hmm. basically? So that is something that is different. It will be different in games in that he is, I think, going to be much more involved in approach and and things like that. Uh, But it's, uh, I think it's exciting, A, that they needed it, yeah. And B, that they went and they got it. Yeah, and, and part of what Mitch said, and it connects to when we talked to Andy McKay in the offseason and how he described their approach as, you know, addressing not only the mechanics of hitting, but also the approach and the mental side. There's all these different aspects of hitting, and I thought it was interesting to hear Mitch Hanniger talk about how their staff is perfectly balanced in addressing all those different areas of hitting, which I thought – uh, it just echoed exactly what Andy McKay was saying in the offseason. And they've done it with the pitching for a long yeah. time. Pete Woodworth is very much a communicator. Trent Blank is very much a uh, tactician. Is that right. the right word That's for a good it way right to put there? It. Yeah. Uh, you know, he and, and they both know the other and can do mm-hmm. the other, but there are two very, you know, you have your strengths that come to the forefront, and there are the other things um, that perhaps aren't as, as natural. And so to see it, and we've seen the success that they have with the pitching staff, team, uh, group. Now they're doing that with the hitting. And, again, it's bringing in something different. And as Mitch said, it's covering different ends. Yeah, because it's a smart approach. Because thinking about it, asking a coach to be the all expert at both the mental side of hitting, the mechanics side, Mm -hmm. the approach, like, Asking a coach to be an expert and connect with every player in every one of those aspects is a big ask and too much of an ask. Can you imagine if you had all that in your head? Right. I mean, it's math basically yeah. on both sides. And if you are, are, are thinking about, you know, different swing angles, if you are thinking of different spin rates, if you are thinking all of that for the 13 players they have during mm. the season, too much. Yeah. And so, it you know, it's no – coincidence that major league staffs are bigger and bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and uh, I like that they have focused in and somehow I think it kind of naturally has happened in that oh this guy and they've seen it and but it's it's a good approach and you know hitters and pitchers need so much more than they ever did before yeah getting back to the original question it was things that have stood out in camp and I don't think I'm alone on this one but Ty Francis stood out to me in camp just looking at him for the first time I th- also thought he said some interesting things after his first start. Obviously, it, I'm a really good player if I can get back to where I, I was, but I think there's more in the tank. Um, you know, I was almost my whole career I was mechanically hitting wrong, so um, to be able to clean all that stuff up this off season and um, you know kind of just add to my swing, I, I feel like 
you know, it's who knows. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what I'm capable of. Um, you know, if, if we get back to what I was, great. But I think there's more. His description there, I think, is pretty fascinating moving forward, especially with if the Mariners can get a bounce back from Ty France. What if it would can be get more. That's the other question. Like, e- even a bounce back, but more. It would be enormous for this offense because he was a real missing piece for the Mariners last year. What I like about what Ty has done is he's never lost his confidence. He knows he's a good player, and that's important. And I think he's been a little bit stubborn in what he does. He's always believed that what he does is different. And we talked quite a bit about that with him last year, this time of the year, on these same headsets and chairs Mm -hmm. and everything else. And I think that, you know, coming from the Tony Gwynn program and also being a 34th round pick, I think there is a, I can't change anything Mm -hmm. that's got me here. And and he is kind of simple in what he does anyway. It doesn't mean he doesn't know hitting. I've always known that he knows hitting. And my feeling kind of was if they could get him into driveline, he was very quickly going to embrace it because it's more hitting. And he can be a hitting nerd himself. He just does it a little bit differently. And for me, and I asked Scott Service this, and then I asked Ty himself, is this a matter of getting him back to what he was or – when when Ty said he got in there, he realized he was so far off of what he thought he was. Mm. His mechanics were so far off. What's to say they don't improve it? And getting to that inside pitch is something that I don't think a year ago we thought he could. I think we just thought that's kind of his kryptonite. Yeah. Now he thinks he can. Because coming into this season, too, like just with health, if you lay out the lineup, like he is a guy that's going to be further down. Six. I don't know where where you project him. Some something along those lines. But if you get the production, you can see quickly how this lineup gets longer. Absolutely, because he's probably battling with Mitch Haniger for the sixth spot right. in some of my lineups. So right. you know that's a lot different than what we've seen Absolutely. in recent years, without question. So uh, he can be a difference maker, and you don't need him to go out and hit a ton of home runs. You need him to be Ty France and get hits. Yeah. That's that was uh, instrumental. And it'll be interesting for him because actually his entire career he's been a t- closer to the top of the order hitter. He's, right. He, most of bats he's had have been coming batting second. And that's not going to work now. You've got that guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's pretty yes. good. You're good. You, know? you are good. And you've got a switch hitter that can hit behind him and somebody who's turned himself into a wonderful leadoff hitter. You know, Ty's not going to be cleanup guy, so he's going to be a little bit lower in the order. So that's going to be different. But I, I hope it kind of – I hope it – follows the path that JP did last year and I know it's been one game but I don't know if you remember JP did not have a good spring last year mm-hmm. not just results wise he didn't feel good he was still making adjustments to his changes and nobody was really quite sure where he was with it he started the season hitting ninth not because there was nowhere else to put him that's because he was still struggling and it clicked in quickly and boom to the top of the lineup well you know tight start him let him get comfortable even if he says he is right now See where it takes Yeah, you. no, that's a good way to look at it. Well, we got a fun show coming up. We talked about Mitch Hanniger. Rick had a chance to sit down with Mitch. We'll have that coming up next. And we had a chance to catch up with Perry Hill. We'll have that conversation. We see Perry Hill out working on the wall. It, it's like the sight of spring and the sound. You always hear the ball against the wall. So we're going to dive into what Perry does. It's always a great conversation. I so. feel so much better about my ability to field ground balls yes. now after that yeah. conversation. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think he straightened us out. <laughs> absolutely. So fun show coming. We have Mitch Haniger coming up right after this. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariner Spring Training in Arizona. The 1-1. 
swing, and this is clobbered out to the gap. Left center field drifting back and gone into the Mariners' bullpen. What a blast by Mitch Hanniger. Yes, one of the big storylines of spring training, Mitch Hanniger is back. Rick Riz, a chance to catch up with Mitch. Well, he's back. Mitch Hanniger, Mariners' right fielder. Mitch, uh, with the ball club for six years, you go away for the one brief season in San Francisco. How in the world does it feel to be back in that Mariners uniform? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, really excited when I got the news this offseason, and it's good to be back in the Mariners uniform, and the family and I are really excited to get back up to Seattle and play in front of all of our fans at T-Mobile. You made one heck of a uh, debut for 2024 and a heck of a return. We were first at bat yesterday, first swing of the spring. You hit a home run the left field you come back to the dugout to a standing ovation uh, how did you handle that uh, it was cool I, I, heard, I heard all the fans when I was walking to the plate and I think uh, the warm embrace was cooler than the home run so uh, super grateful and thankful for all the support and um, yeah that's one thing definitely really excited to come back and and play in front of our Mariners fans we're blessed and lucky um, to have such a great fan base and, and it's definitely something I missed last year so I'm, I'm really excited to be back Mitch, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you were part of a lot of fun just two years ago when we got to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. What's it going to take? You take a look around at spring training now and all these kids and all these veterans. What's it going to take to get back to the playoffs this year? Well, I think we have, first of all, I think we have a really good team, and um, I think we're in a really good spot heading into the season, and I think it's just going to take a lot of hard work and uh, some persistence and just treating every game like it really counts instead of kind of waiting until September. Um, not that that was ever an issue in the past, but I just I just know all of these games, the whole 162 are really important. So it starts uh, March 28th, and I know we're going to have that intensity with you know two of the last three years and miss out on by one game. So uh, it's a tough lesson learned. So it's it's treat every game really important, and especially early in the season because you know uh, you can really feel it once you get to August and September. But I think you know early on sometimes your mind's like oh we got a lot of time, and and I think you just have to have a little bit of um, yeah get after it early on. <laughs> Yeah, the Mariners, uh, I think, are going to have a lot of fun uh, this year. When you when you go away, hitting is one of the toughest things to do, I think, in sports. There's a message over there, and then you come back over here and you trust Jared DeHart and now Brant Brown. Is the message usually different or close to being the same, and how do you trust that? Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, for me personally, I think I think it's different for everyone, right? But I think for me personally, um, last year was a little difficult just going to somewhere new, trying to learn the training staff, trying to learn the strength coaches, trying to learn the hitting yeah. coaches. And then me, my season, I had a couple different injuries, so it just started and stopped a whole bunch of time. And so then once you're hurt, that process kind of delays. And so it was just like never really, one, got comfortable, but never really yeah. got on the same page with everybody. And then it felt like the season was over. Um, so just definitely a learning experience. But for me, coming back here with people I'm familiar with, with uh, JD's always been extremely helpful for me. And, and you know, I know Brownie since 2017. And um, I've worked with a, a private hitting coach who, who helped him, you know, Craig Wallenbrock. So we, they speak this very, this, the very same language. And, um, you know, I came out here real early and hit with, with Craig. And, and Brownie would come watch. And I would come in here and hit with, as well. So um, that's just awesome, kind of speaking the same language. And then him, him having a really good understanding of how my – my body moves and what my body prefers I, you know in the first couple of weeks i already learned a ton about my swing and and that was really uh, reassuring and i just feel like i can really trust those guys visiting with mitch hanniger mitch uh, you had some really good years here in 2018 an all-star 2021 39 home runs 100 rbis love watching you hit when things are going right for you what's going right as a hitter I think my, my whole everything comes down to seeing the baseball and loading correctly for me. 
Um, and usually those things tie in hand, hand in hand. So when I'm loading correctly and my body's in a good position, I'm able to, everything feels slower. You know, hitters talk about like being in the zone where you, the ball seems slower and it seems bigger. Um, and generally, if, if you're not loading correctly, your head's moving, the ball seems quicker, you don't pick it up, spin as well. Um, so that's the things I've been working on with them is like really hone in on my load and gather. And um, they have a really good idea of how I move. They have a really good idea of what I need to do to, to stay there. And I feel like we've come up with some drills that are um, going to kind of keep me they're going to keep me from straying far away from that. Um, you know, having a, a unique loading mechanism with, you know, a hand pump and, and a leg kick is like, it's not as simple as other guys. So um, having guys that really understand that and, and give me drills to do to kind of reinforce that is really cool. Well, your load and your swing was outstanding yesterday. Great to see that. Thank you. Home run, your first at bat of the Cactus League season. Best of luck the rest of the way. It's going to be a lot of fun, Mitch. Thanks a lot for the visit. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Mariners right fielder, Mitch Hanniger. There he was, Mitch Hanniger. When we come back, we have a chance to catch up with Mariners coach Perry Hill. We'll do that coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariner Spring Training in Arizona. Well, welcome back to the Cactus League Report. Great to have you with us tonight. As We have a very special guest with us, Perry Hill, who uh, can be tough to track down, I think, this time of year. Perry, you are... A busy guy this time of year. I, I think that's fair to say. There's a lot going on. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I tracked uh, I tracked you down at your spot at the wall. Yes. <laughs> uh, I feel like you should have your autograph at the bottom of the wall or something. <laughs> like, what what are we doing here? Shouldn't we do something for for you and the wall? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Well, I'm curious. So this time of year, you get a, a raft of new players, right? Everything from Polanco has been in the majors for a long time to Cole Young, who is just starting his, his journey in, in big league camp for the first time. What is your process like in those initial meetings when you're first taking a look at guys? Well, as you mentioned earlier, it's spring training. <clears throat> so everybody's treated the same, whether you've played in the big leagues for 12 years or it's your first ever spring training. You know, it's it's a review of all the fundamentals and what we teach and how we go about things. And uh, even the veteran players, you know, over the winter sometimes may need to lose something or may need a tweak or two. So instead of, you know, uh, have to, uh, assume they know and then backtrack, I don't assume anything. We start from square one every spring. We break things down on the wall before we go out on the field. And as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter how long you played or if you haven't played at all yet in the big leagues, it's it's all uh, starting at square one and building up again. When you have a J.P. Crawford or a Ty Francer or somebody who's done a lot of work before, what does that look like the first time that you see them in a spring? <clears throat> well, those two are like probably an exception to the rule. Uh, the, they know the system. They know uh, what we expect. They know they're going to be held accountable. And the good thing about this is that uh, – the people who have never gone to spring training if you watch those guys work it's like they're playing in the seventh game of the world series i mean they don't take any of these plays off they know how important it is to get ready for the season how to master their fundamentals 
and um, that's exactly what they do. We talk about the wall all the time. We see you at the wall. What does the wall do for guys? Well, the advantage that the wall presents is that we can throw the ball against the wall, and in 10 minutes, you can field 50 or 60 balls. And whether it's a backhand or a ball right to you, a ball to your left, or a double play feed. So we can work things on the wall, and if there's something wrong, we can fix it right away. That way, when we go on the field, when we go on the field, I only have 20 minutes with my infielders. Everything is structured by time. I don't have time during that 20 minutes to stop the drill for everybody and explain something and waste repetitions. So we go on the wall. They're at least on the wall every third day. And uh, if something needs to be tweaked or fixed, we can do it here with no time constraints. So when we get on the field, we can just like get our reps in and move right straight through it. And how do you fix things in season? The wall and the concourse. Oh, okay. There's a wall. If you remember a few years ago, we had Abraham Toro, who had never played second base. And so it would do me no good whatsoever to go out there and just start whacking balls to him without, you know, teaching, breaking down things that he would have to do. Remember, that the thing that I think people doesn't, don't realize very often is that if you're playing on the left side of the infield, third or shortstop, everything you do is in front of you. When you go on the other side of the field, a quarter of what you do goes against where you want to end up. In other words, a second baseman has to run to the second base away from where he's going to end up throwing it on a double play. Or a ground ball, he's got to turn his feet the other way around to throw it to second. The shortstop and third baseman don't have to do that. So like in Abraham Toro's case that year, he had never done something like that. And so the wall is a great teacher where we could get like 60, 70 reps in a short period of time and get all that taught before we go out on the field. That's super interesting. And when you look at this infield, there's a couple guys, Rojas, Polanco possibly, that maybe we'll see him a second, maybe we'll see him a third through the course of the year. So mm -hmm. are there different things you do with guys that are going to move around a little bit? Well, yeah, the wall. Okay. We work on the wall so they can work on their backhand toss or moving their feet, turn it the other way you know, to throw it back towards second. Um, first baseman does a, a lot of backhand work. You know, a ball that takes him to his right is an automatic backhand, which may not be an automatic backhand if you're on the other side of the mm -hmm. infield. So there's a great difference uh, in the two positions. I know that uh, when I was in Miami, you know, Rafael for call was a great shortstop all those years for the Braves, and he came over toward the end of his career in Miami and we were going to play him at second base and it took him a full spring training six weeks to figure it out because it's something he hadn't done and he was used to having everything in front of him and now a quarter of what you do you have to go the other way before you want to go to first base to end up so yeah it's it's it, you know a lot of people think well since he's playing second base it's easier it's a shorter throw but there's a lot more to it how tough is it for a utility infielder, somebody who plays at different positions throughout a season? Well, it's like Demo. He, we have a ground ball routine every day, as I'm sure you've seen. And, and so one day Demo will work at third, one day he'll work at short, one day he'll work at second, one day he'll work at first. And so we just have to keep the merry-go-round going because you never know where he might end up in the course of a game. You may pinch a pinch run uh, tie, you know, pinch run for tie. So Demo goes in to pinch run. And so the skipper doesn't have to burn two players. He can also play first base. It's my opinion 
that your extra infielders have to know how to play all four. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if Scott makes a move and pinch runs for somebody and he can't play first base, well, then you've got, you know, now you got to use two players. And so that's why we taught Haggerty how to play first base. Mm. So, you know, he played three or four games at first base last year. And um, that's the reason. I mean, if, if you're a utility infielder, you've got to be able to play all four, in my opinion. The way you describe one side of the infield compared to the other, it, it almost sounds like a switch hitter working on trying to maintain two different swings because the skill sets seem pretty different. Right. Well, basically the fundamentals are the same. You just have to move your feet in a different direction mm -hmm. sometimes. You know, it, it's, I teach what I call the six Fs of fielding, and it's still the six Fs, but you got to move your feet a different direction to get lined up to maybe to throw a ball against your body instead of, like, with your body. Hmm. We are visiting with infield coach Perry Hill. And, Perry, what happens when you get into a game and something doesn't go right? Do you go talk to that player? Do you need to calm them down? Is there anything that has to happen there to make sure that that's out of their mind at that point? Well, nobody wants to make an error. Hmm. And, and, you know, you can go ahead and book it. You're going to make s at least 60 errors a season. What I, I don't talk to them in the middle of a game because – we do so much repetition work, and we do the ground ball routine every single day. There's, there's a unicorn right there. <laughs> that um, uh, they know if there's a breakdown. I don't really have to tell them, and I don't want to like mess with them. I'm gonna say, say, for instance, JP does something that there was a little breakdown in the six Fs, the fundamentals. Well, he may be the third hitter that inning. I'm not gonna go cram his mind with something about a funnel when he's trying to go. To, go to the plate and hit a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. What I do correct, though, in the course of a game, if they're in the wrong spot on a bunt play or a cutoff and relay or a rundown, there's no excuse for that because that's, that's scripted. You know what to do, where to be, how to do it. Sometimes a ground ball is not scripted. Sometimes, you know, even a cleat mark from a base runner may cause a hop or something. So my, my main concern in the game is, like, during the course of a, a bunt play or a cutoff and relay, there's a certain spot you should be. If you're not in that spot, I will say something. Hmm. Is defense similar in offense where guys can go in struggles? Uh, are oh. there? Oh, yeah. I've seen fielding and throwing slumps a lot during my career. How do you deal with that? You get up against the wall, hmm. and you put a little circle on the wall, and then you work on your fielding and your throwing mechanics. Exactly. The wall's the best teacher because you can get so many reps in, the ball comes right back to you, and you can fire it away. And you can get, like I said, you can get 60 reps in, in a 10-minute session. I just did one with Hogan Windish a minute ago, and uh, we were out here for seven minutes, and he fielded 30 ground balls. Wow. We were emphasizing the funnel and breaking thumbs down, and um, you, you can't get that on the field. So this is the wall for me is, is a great teacher, a great resource. Who's got the best road wall? That's, thank you for asking, Gary. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Well, those are hard to find on the on the road. Uh -huh. Yeah, because sometimes the best walls are over maybe on the on the home side, mm. and you know you can't you can't waddle over there too many times. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but that's a good question because sometimes we go on the uh, on the road. I'll cram a couple of guys in the last two days of homestand just mm. to make sure. 
What can you think of? I hate to put you on the spot. No, I don't because I'd love an answer. But, you know, we see <laughs> the results when it's all done, when they are the completed project. But has there been, when you've been on the wall or on the field, where it's just happened right then and there, they've been doing it and doing it and not sure why they are doing it, and all of a sudden, boom, that aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a couple of young guys. Cole Young on his backhand toss. Hogan Windish, who's a young player, just on the funnel today. Things clicked. Yeah, there's several instances. I was working with um, uh, Polo Polanco just the other day on his backhand toss because he was it was like a pinball flipper. He could flip it, but you can't control the, the pinball. Mm-hmm. You can get it up to the top of the machine, but if I ask him to hit that button over there, he, you can't do it because you have no control. You can get it up there, but you don't know where it's going to go. And so we broke the backhand toss down the way we teach it, where it can go but, uh, toward the shortstop's chest every single time and uh, again Gary that was to your point guys played in the big league 10 years and some things have worked for him Mm -hmm. but I think I think sometimes there's a better way that they're not uh, used to or they haven't heard before and so that's an example uh, where uh, teaching old dog new tricks Mm -hmm. and so he saw it right away in the consistency and and, and that, that's all it is. You know, I, I'm like a tour guide. You know, we, we're, we're walking on the path, and some player kind of gets off the path and wants to explore by himself, and it's my job to go get him and get him back on the path. <laughs> How much do you love what you do? Uh, I, I'm going to work until they tell me I can't work. That's, that's it. Really, it's, it's what I do. You know, it's who I am. Perfect. I love it. Well, Perry, we know you have another meeting to get to. We really appreciate the time, especially in spring training. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Gary. Shannon, thank you. Mariners coach Perry Hill. Countdown officially on to opening day. Be sure to lock in your seats to the Mariners' first homestand of the season starting March 28th, a four-game set against the Red Sox at T-Mobile Park. You can get your tickets at Mariners.com. We continue with more Cactus League report right after this. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariner's Spring Training in Arizona. You're back with us on the Cactus League Report. Thanks for being with us tonight. The Mariner's promotion lineup stacked with can't-miss collectibles. Don't miss the Julio No-Fly Zone bobble April 1st to 3rd and the Ken Griffey Jr. Home Run Robbery bobble April 15th to 17th. Get your tickets. Check out the full promotion schedule at Mariners.com slash promos. We'll talk to Daniel Kramer from MLB.com in just a moment. First, we welcome in Mandy Lincoln to the show. Mandy, the Senior Director of Marketing. Mandy, thanks for coming on tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to do this. The annual visit to the Cactus League Report. Okay, yes, we do need to make this more than annual. So, we have you on tonight to tell us about March 24th. What is happening at T-Mobile Park on March 24th? A brand new event for the fans, our opening week warm-up presented by Starbucks. Uh, just a chance, all this pent-up energy and excitement for the season that's all going to culminate that final week, the run-up to opening day on the 28th. We're letting everybody come down to the ballpark to get you know, um have some fun, celebrate with other Mariners fans. Um, and again, this brand new uh, fan event alongside Starbucks. Well, that sounds pretty great. What can fans do at the event? So the big league team will just be finishing up their last spring training game down in Arizona. Um, so fans will have the chance to actually watch the game live on Mariners vision. Uh, and during commercial breaks, we'll be handing out great prizes, um, including 
autograph memorabilia, suites, Starbucks for a season, which I would I would love to win that one. I know I can't, but wait. wait, wait, wait. Starbucks for a season? For a season. Yeah, that's a serious price. Until you hear what I'm gonna say next, which is drumroll please, the big prize that we're giving away is one lucky fan will four days later be able to throw out a first pitch on opening day, complete with four tickets to the game. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes, you won upped it. That's a great prize. I would actually love that. It is. So we'll have a lot of fun um, handing those out, but just a chance, um, you know, the team will be obviously down in Arizona. So we're going to be bringing out some uh, Mariners alum and future stars to take, have photo sessions, autograph sessions with fans. Um, fans will be able to become, you know, a big leaguer themselves with the chance to head out to take, throw a pitch in the bullpen, take photos in the Mariners dugout, run the bases, uh, take a trip around the morning track. Again, get down there, touch the grass, touch the dirt, all those things that we've been missing during winter. So it's just a big, you know, behind the scenes look at, you know, the ballpark, you know, those chances to go even down in the tunnel level to see the Mariners clubhouse, the visitors clubhouse, uh, the newly renovated Diamond Club uh, presented by Muckleshoot as well as um, the interview room. So, again, fans will kind of find their way, you know, throughout all levels of the ballpark. Nice. That's great. Now, you mentioned future stars. Can you tell us who we're talking about? My secrets. How about, okay, we'll give <laughs> yeah. a breaking news right now on Cactus League Report. I'll share the, the lineup of future stars that will be joining us in Seattle on Sunday, March 24th. We have Harry Ford, Sir Harry Ford, I should say, uh, Colt Emerson, Cole Young, and Lazaro Montez will be making their way up here to be part of the fun. That's phenomenal. That's a great list. Yeah, just chance again to, to meet the future stars of, of Mariners baseball. Affordable family fun. Tickets are only 10 bucks for adults. Kids 14 and under are free. So it's a great Sunday out at the ballpark to just ramp up towards opening day. All details, tickets are all available at mariners.com slash warmup. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Mandy. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for the time. Yes, we'll see you on the 24th. There it is, Mandy Lincoln, Senior Director of Marketing for the Mariners. Hey, check out the most fan-friendly season ticket plan in the game with the Mariners Flex membership. You can choose the games and seats as you go, plus save at least 10% on tickets with no fees. Learn more about this unique membership option today at Mariners.com slash flex. As now we turn our attention to Daniel Kramer from MLB.com. Daniel, it's great to see you down here. Great to see you. When are we going to hike in? Uh, today. Okay. <laughs> I mean, putting you on the spot there. I mean, Giants today. Anytime you're in Scottsdale, it seems like Camelback is the place to go, you right? You got to pack a bag and the sunscreen. Don't forget that. Too. Seriously, like <laughs> seriously, for anyone listening that's coming down from Seattle, like you got to have sunscreen on you at all times wherever you go. Sometimes I get caught here at the facility, just going to the backfield and whatever. Like I can't be out there for more than five minutes at this point. I'm no. just I'm not used to the sunshine. We we go months without it. So yeah. be careful. I keep it attached to me. 
Yes. I got the SPF 70, which I used to get embarrassed about, but at oh. this point anymore, you know, it's 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 all about what's going to get you, what's going to protect you and, and keep your skin glistening, you know? That's right. So. That's right. So sunscreen and stay hydrated. That's Absolutely. the other that's the other trick. So because 70 degrees out here in the sunshine when you're coming right from Seattle, feels like a hundred. It's mm. a big difference. Yeah. So be careful. For sure. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I lost a pair of sunglasses in Hawaii over Thanksgiving and didn't replace them until I got down here. Because <laughs> you, you didn't need them. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? That's great. Uh, as you look at camp early on, like what's what kind of sticks out to you in the first few days of of things really getting going. Yeah, I've I've been down here. Did it, today's day 14, so Whoa. two full weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the early impressions, which we touched on in in a lot of the content we we put out, was just like, and I know it's cliche, but just like the hunger level seems a lot different down here. And I think that that was heavily fueled by how disappointing the season ended last year for these guys. With you know not just the postseason, but the first division title and, you mm-hmm. know, more than two decades right there within reach and falling short of it. And for a really young nucleus of guys um, who had been to the, the playoffs the year before and gotten that taste, but to kind of, you know, get it, you know, fall short and have, you know, that tough experience, um, I'm sure it gnawed at them all, all winter. Uh, and, you know, they're they're a fun group. They're a good group of dudes, but, you know, going through that experience i think um it's it's definitely shown here in the early stages so that's been one thing that that's really stood out to me um you know the other is how they're starting to get more playing time to some of their top prospects Mm. you know we saw cole young um be installed in you know you know most of these first few games there today or and then today harry ford's going to be back out there again um and just like not necessarily considering them for the opening day roster by any means, but just putting validation to the fact of what they were saying this off season that these guys are going to get legitimate looks and how they perform here. You know, it's probably going to stick in their minds with the big league coaching staff mm-hmm. once they depart and those guys go off into their minor league season. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things, um, you know, Julio, He's always a story. He's, you know, dealing with the minor inflammation in his left hand. Um, They're not too concerned about it in kind of talking with him in passing. He doesn't seem too concerned about it. Um, You know, the big thing with him, it's no secret, just the way he plays at 110%, you know, a million miles an hour. It's always going to be health. Um, It always is. And, you know, he's a risk taker out on the field. And so I think just the recognition he has of, you know, preparing his body for the grind of the season and having that acumen for being just 23 year old, 23 years old and recognizing that spring training is long and maybe I don't need to hit in the cage for four hours every day in February, knowing that, you know, we still got a ways to go to opening day. So don't think there's a huge concern with him on that. Um, You know, he's going to hit in the cage today. He's going to keep it light. They're also playing all the way in Scottsdale, so, you know, I think, you know, just the comfort of probably staying back, getting his work in, and then Mm -hmm. maybe playing in a home game here in the coming days. But, um, yeah, curious to see 
what's next for him in year three? I mean, it's just like he's taking these massive steps forward, you know, going all the way back to his minor league days. And, um, you know, just the charisma and the personality he brings, it's just kind of the total package. And, um, you know, I've I've written about this and, and talked about it, and it's been, you know, a little over a week now, but it really stood out to me, um, the ownership and accountability he took mm. um, in his kind of early spring holding court with all of us um and you know he didn't have to do that it seemed very deliberate and intentional and when i was talking i think it was me who asked the question but it could have been any of us he was waiting for it you know he wasn't just shooting from the hip it was like you know he saw a fastball down the middle (laughs) and a hitter's count and he was ready to just knock it out of the park and so um that kind of just put backing to what you had heard about how he wasn't satisfied with the inconsistencies of his season. And, you know, he did finish fourth in the MVP and his numbers, you know, on a, on a baseball reference page looked amazing, but you know, there were some like pretty significant ebbs and flows, um, especially with just general approach and situational stuff, Mm -hmm. um, throughout the year. And, I think it says a lot that he recognizes that too, um, that there were moments where, hey, um, I could have just attacked this at bat a little bit better. And so, you know, yes, he recognizes it, but, you know, installing it will be the next step, especially like once games are important and things like that. But um, just seeing that from him, I think, was like one of my very big early takeaways. Yeah, 100%. uh, I'm anxious too to see what he's going to look like this year. And along the lines of the outfield, I think that is super fascinating. I know you have a story coming up on what the outfield will look like. We know Julio is going to be the the center fielder, the rock in the outfield. It's interesting to see how the corners are going to play out. Luke Rayleigh is obviously going to be a part of it. Mitch Hanniger will be a part of it. For me, I think it's pretty critical that a lefty bat emerges from the group of Canzone or Trammell or Marlowe or somebody. Uh, how do you see how this outfield situation you think will play out? I think it was Shannon who asked Scott this the other day, um, putting like all the options on the table, and he said, I think all of them may be correct. Um, mm. You know, platoon situations, matchup dictated, you know, sometimes just riding the hot hand. Um, so they like the depth that they've built. Um, within their outfields and there's some established players that are coming back but also you know with some question marks um, you know Mitch if you can get as many games out of Hanniger as you can both he and the team recognize that I asked him the other day it's you know they told me I'm going to play right field as often and as regularly as I can Mm. and there's an open line of communication there Um, so that sounds like what has transpired with those communications Um, Rayleigh, Canzone, you know, you talk about Dom. He had a few, like, really big moments for the Mariners last year. Um, I think of just some of the towering home runs and then the fact that he put on 15 pounds of muscle this offseason, which was a by-design effort because he wants to. It shows, to, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He wants to do more damage. Um, he talked about working, like, more into his hip mobility, too, as well. Um, you know, it, and for me, when I look at the – who we think will be the 26-man roster. Canzone seems to have the biggest – it just seems like he has the widest range of outcomes. I think behind the scenes, too, they – 
they're pretty bullish on yeah. his upside. And now, you know, whether that's because they really want to be invested, given that he was the key return in the Paul Seawald trade, you know, maybe that's some of it. But also, you know, um, in some conversations you've had with, you know, people within the organization, people within out the or outside of the organization, um, they believe there might be even more upside than mm-hmm. his predecessor, Jared Kelnick. So we'll see. There's parts of his game that he recognizes that he wants to work on. Um, specifically, you know, he's a big swinger. Like, he likes mm-hmm. to get up there and really swing the bat, um, which at times can kind of contrast with their dominate the zone mantra. Um, but he he seems to recognize it, at least in conversations that you've had with him and whatnot. And so just having a little, a little bit more deliberate approach, forcing pitchers to come to him, and then you know you've seen what he can do when they do come in the zone he can do some pretty significant damage um you know in the outfield uh he had some trouble in the gaps a little bit last year um getting to some balls and you know the arm strength uh is it rates pretty high but just you know the range of it and whatnot um yeah some challenges there so but yeah, to your point, I think he's he's one of the more fascinating guys within the 26-man roster contingent because like you would think that for sure opening day roster, but also it's a long season and he does have minor league options mm-hmm. and I think that's something that could be in play at some point, not necessarily in April or May, but like just at some point given, you know, the the flexibility that like they like to have as they go about their business. So, um he's I would say, you know, one of the more interesting players, at, uh, particularly on the position player side. For sure. This camp. Well, Daniel, thanks for the visit. This won't be the last time, but uh, thanks for your quick insight as uh, games have started and spring's really rolling. I know it's funny. It feels like spring just started because we're on game three. You're on day 14, so I'm sure it does not feel like spring just started for you. <laughs> in, in some ways, it's like it's like... Oh, wow. I can't believe it's day 14. <laughs> and in the same context, it's like, oh, it's only day 14. <laughs> no, but it's fun down here. Like, we, we have a really good time. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good group of media with you guys. And um, the clubhouse is great, too. A lot, a lot of good dudes to work with, um, you know, that kind of understand the role that we play and everything. So um, all good so far. All right. Well, here we go. That's it for the Kakasig Report. We have the Mariners and Giants. We have it coming up next.